My name is Finch, and welcome to Chronicles of a Psychonaut. This podcast is about the psychedelic experience. First off, what is a psychonaut? Well, a psychonaut is an explorer of the psyche. I like to think of a psychonaut as an astronaut for inner space. Now, a psychonaut can explore their consciousness or psyche through psychedelic plants, fungi, and other means, other psychedelic chemicals, but also through meditation, um, out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences. There's a myriad of ways. But the focus of this podcast mainly is the psychedelic experience. I've been interested in psychedelic substances since a teenager. I first started smoking cannabis when I was about 16 or 17, and shortly thereafter tried magic mushrooms. My use was mostly recreational until about 2008-2009 when I learned that psychedelics could be used for a much greater purpose to really learn about oneself and to gain insight into one's behaviors, patterns, thoughts, etc. At that point I began to explore more extensively with magic mushrooms and I was listening a lot to another psychonaut, Terence McKenna. Terence McKenna talks about mushrooms, DMT, ayahuasca, many other substances, and he referred to something called the heroic dose, which is five grams of dried magic mushrooms. I started to work my way up to the heroic dose and eventually took a heroic dose and eventually went beyond the heroic dose, working up to six grams and seven grams. Now, if you don't know, that's a lot of mushrooms. And I'm not going to tell those stories right now. They'll come out into the podcast in due time. But this podcast is to tell these stories, uh, my stories and also the stories of my guests, and really to try to get at the heart of the matter of what value do these substances have for personal growth. They can be fun, sure. There can be visuals and things like that. But how can they help us, especially in a therapeutic sense or a meditative sense? How can they help us understand who we are to a greater degree? Now, this podcast is mainly about the psychedelic experience, but even more so, it's about personal growth. And we'll explore other topics that are part of all of our lives, like relationships, sexuality, society and culture, maybe politics. Um, I'm very interested in technology and how technology shapes our lives. So we'll be getting into a variety of topics here. So with that, I'd like to introduce my first guest, Lauren Pittman. I talk about more about our relationship and how we met in the episode, but today I wanted to give an introduction to the plant medicine known as ayahuasca, which comes from the Amazon. So I hope you enjoy the first episode. Welcome to Chronicles of a Psychonaut. So 
Today, we are going to talk about the plant medicine, ayahuasca. What is ayahuasca and why do people use it? And I'm joined today by my guest, Lauren Pittman. I met Lauren on Maui um, about seven years ago, and we lived on a community out in the jungle side of Maui. Uh, I came to Maui for a different reason, but I knew that ayahuasca grows out there and that people do ayahuasca ceremonies out there. And I thought perhaps it, I would find my way to the ayahuasca circles, and sure enough, I did within one week. And uh, the community I lived at, Lauren was there and a few other really great people, and we got to do several ceremonies and do a lot of work. So thanks for being here, Lauren. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So first, I'd like to just introduce the subject of ayahuasca. What is it? Uh, many people have heard of it, but I imagine many people have not. So ayahuasca is um, it's a brew of plants that comes from the Amazon. And ayahuasca is two things. It's a medicine, but it's also a plant. And the medicine always contains the plant ayahuasca, but also c contains other plants. And it's a psychoactive um, substance. It contains dimethyltryptamine, also known as DMT, which is perhaps nature's most potent psychedelic. And ayahuasca is an orally active form of DMT. Um, DMT is a very common molecule. It's found in many plants in nature. It's found in animals. And it's even produced endogenously within the human body. Um, I think, I know it's produced in the pineal gland, in the brain. And I think it's also produced in the lungs or other, other places in the human body. And people speculate as to the reason that the, bo the human body produces DMT, but um, from on the scientific perspective, we don't actually know. We don't know why our brain produces the most psychedelic compound known to man, um, but it does. We know that the brain releases a lot of DMT when you're born and when you die, and potentially also when we dream. And it's possible that the visionary experience of our dreams is due to an endogenous release of DMT while we're sleeping. So DMT can be extracted from plants. It can also be synthesized and it can be smoked. And when smoking DMT, uh, you have a very, very powerful visionary experience, but it's very short lived. And the reason for that is we have an enzyme in our bodies that breaks down DMT. Uh, it's called monoamine oxidase, MAO. And you can smoke DMT and flood your body with DMT, but within about five to 10 minutes, the monoamine oxidase in your body will completely break it down and you will return from that psychedelic experience back to normal consciousness uh, completely. 
within about five to 10 minutes. So it's this really short lived rocket ride into other dimensions. You can go fully out of body. Uh, it's a very powerful experience. And then you come back to full sobriety and, uh, it does kind of feel like coming out of a dream and it's, it can be difficult to really even remember what happened. You have a sense of tapping into profound wisdom and truth, but it's hard to bring things back. Um, perhaps because it's so intense and so short lived. Now, ayahuasca contains DMT, but it, well, it, it, the plant itself, ayahuasca, does not have any DMT in it. But what it does have is an, it, an MAOI, monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So it inhibits the enzyme that breaks down DMT. And then you add in different plants with ayahuasca that contain DMT. So it creates an orally active substance so that you can drink the ayahuasca and um, you have DMT in your body and it doesn't get broken down. So the ayahuasca experience generally is less intense than smoking DMT. Um, it's been described as basically that five to 10 minute DMT trip expanded into several hours. Um, I, even though they're both DMT, I find the ayahuasca experience to be completely different personally, but, um, it's, it's a way to work with DMT and work with the visionary experience in a manner that's easier to absorb. And it's much easier to, to absorb the insights and bring something back from the experience. So. That's the, that's a ayahuasca on a pharmacological level, but, uh, you know, there's many traditions from the Amazon, uh, many different tribes that have been working with ayahuasca for thousands of years and they, they look beyond just sort of the physical realm of what's happening with our brain chemistry. And they consider it a, it's a, it's a medicine of the spirit. I believe ayahuasca means vine of the soul mm -hmm. or vine of the dead, <clears throat> uh, something to that degree. And what ayahuasca does, it's hard to describe, but it, it can put you in touch with your subconscious. It, it has a way of showing you things about yourself, um, different patterns of thinking, different behaviors, perhaps even different traumatic experiences in your past that you may have forgotten or blocked out that affect the way that you are, um, the way that you behave. And it's a very powerful spiritual experience. Um, and, and it can help people heal from physical disease, mental disease, or even spiritual disease. So, Lauren and I and <laughs> many others found our way to the jungles of Maui drinking ayahuasca and doing ceremony and and doing work on ourselves basically um, and I'll just mention that 
ayahuasca grows on the Hawaiian islands now because it was brought there and it's been brought many places um, by fellow psychonauts, I believe, or it's rumored that ayahuasca was brought to Hawaii by Terrence McKenna, who has spoken extensively about DMT and ayahuasca. And um, yeah, ayahuasca grows um, all over the islands and people cultivate it and harvest it. And there's also DMT containing plants from the Amazon that people have brought to Hawaii too. So um, it's not the 100% ideal environment for ayahuasca. It doesn't flower there. It doesn't seed. It's not super ideal, but it does thrive and you can make strong, powerful medicine out of it. And we did. We sure did. <laughs> we sure did. Um, so, but ayahuasca is not necessarily a pleasant experience. It's not, I don't think anyone would use ayahuasca recreationally. Like people use DMT recreationally. Right. Which is kind of crazy to me. I, I would never use it. It's too intense. I don't know. Right. It's, but people mainly come to an ayahuasca ceremony to seek insight or seek healing to have the experience to go deeper within themselves right um i feel like dmt is really good for giving you that just experience that is completely beyond mind yeah you know that's just that that experience that you really can't describe in words yeah and then ayahuasca is the actual work, like diving into the issues, into the self and expanding and, you know, doing the work. Right. Yeah. DMT is so fast and so intense. It's just like flying through hyperspace and you can't open your eyes wide enough to see all that's happening. Um, And uh, Terrence McKenna famously talks about the entities that you go to this other realm and sure. there's intelligence there. Yeah. There's spirits there, whatever you want to call it in linguistic yep. terms, but there's a non-human consciousness sentience that exists in these realms that people report and experience. Mm-hmm. And he's famous for saying like when he goes there and he arrives, they tell him don't give in to astonishment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> because they want, they're like, oh, this time is so precious. You come here so rarely and they right. want to show you things. And, um, but it's difficult to focus because you're in this realm of exploding colors and geometries. And for me, it's disorienting because I, I'm looking for some kind of anchor in this reality, something familiar or something. It's a little bit difficult to let go. It can be. Into yeah. a realm where there isn't a single iota of familiarity and you want to just explode in astonishment. Right. And they're trying to tell you, don't give in to astonishment. I found that in many of my ceremonies that there would in the beginning it would be this really intense you know colorful dance of shapes and patterns and beings and you know seeing things but there would always be this point where all of that would fade away and then i'd drop in Mm -hmm. and that's when the work would really begin Mm -hmm. and i think some people may get stuck in that that space right where it's really just a gateway 
Mm-hmm. It's fun and it's colorful and you can learn a lot there, but it's just the doorway in. Totally. You know, it's not the trip itself. It's not the journey itself. Totally. Totally. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, a friend of mine who he's a teacher of mine and he started on the path in 1996. Um, so he's he's been at it quite a while. Mm-hmm. But he says the same thing, like, you know, the visions, people, a lot of people come to ayahuasca for the visions or mushrooms, like they want to have visions, right. but really, uh, it's important to not get distracted. Sometimes they can show you something, the visions and, and the geometries, but it's not really like, there's so much more beyond that. And like, I've heard of people they, they'll be disappointed with the ceremony because they're like, ah, oh, it just wasn't very visual, you <laughs> right. know? Like, I didn't get those, uh, They th- well, people refer to them as pintas, mm-hmm. which are like the bright colors. Right. Um, right. P- pinta means paint. Mm-hmm. But the, the bright DMT colors, oh, it wasn't visual enough. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more. There's, I mean, that's just the surface layer is exactly. the visual aspect of it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I remember my first ceremony the my main intention with the ceremony like I didn't really have an intention as far as you know healing goes or anything like that I didn't know much about it Mm -hmm. but the one thing I knew I wanted to do was to completely surrender to -hmm. the medicine and just kind of step out of the way Mm -hmm. and just say okay what am I here to learn what am I here to see what can you show me right now that I can use and it wasn't until that moment where I really just stepped out of the way mm-hmm. that the medicine came in and then really took me on a journey and sort of introduced herself. Mm-hmm. And that was beyond all the colors. Yeah. You know, that was after that. It was kind of like, okay, here's the rainbow. Can what, what's behind it? Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. but it was always, it's always for me surrender that gets me there. Mm-hmm. If I'm resistant, if I'm afraid, if I'm stuck on, you know, if I have like this cycle of thought forms that can happen sometimes where you just get in this repeat mode, right? I don't go there, Yeah. you know, and, but if I can get beyond that and just let it all go, then it's just like, I drop right in mm-hmm. and I'm in a different world. Mm-hmm. I'm in her world, Yeah. which is my world, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I had a harder time coming to that point of surrender. I had a lot of fear coming in mm-hmm. and a lot of people do, um, sure. because the ayahuasca experience is very intense and mm-hmm. it can be dark. It can. Uh, it can be scary. And I remember like I first heard about it from this friend of mine who later became a teacher, uh, the man who'd been on the path 20 plus years. And he, he was telling me his perspective on it. That's how I first heard. But then I started meeting other people around my age mm-hmm. who had had their own experiences. One person told me that they were in the middle of a ceremony and their eyes were closed. And you, you do it at night. It's, it's an eyes closed experience. The room is dark. Yeah. And that sort of helps you drop into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were in this sort of inner space of a void. Um, and then out of the void came this giant black anaconda and like huge and it opened its mouth wow. and it swallowed them whole. And they said that they were like stricken with terror and they died. And then they were like somehow reborn and they felt like they 
were totally shed of all of this. Um, they just felt liberated in this new way. Mm -hmm. And it was the most terrifying experience they would never want to repeat, but one of the best experiences of their life. Right. So people would tell me stories like this and I'm like, I don't, I don't think I want that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to die and right. be reborn. That sounds really intense. Yes. I know you're saying that it was really good for you in the end, but I don't know that how willing I am to step into that. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I had a, I heard, heard numerous stories like this. And so I was kind of scared, but, yeah. but also, you know, encouraged and, my my fr my friend with the experience he didn't necessarily encourage me to do it but he was willing to answer my questions and to my response to questions about stories like that you know he kind of just he didn't brush it aside but he said you know you have to you have to ask for what you want like that you know if you if yeah. you if you come to the ceremony with humility yep and you just you you speak out your intention or you you talk to the spirit of ayahuasca yes. which we can talk more about but there is a spirit that comes through very tangibly mm -hmm. just you know come with humility and ask for a gentle experience ask her to be gentle with you and she will yep and so i did my first ceremony with him in 2010 i believe it was after 10 full months of thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> and I was like really scared I was really nervous but I did just what he said and uh you know I was like I'm here to learn I want to meet you um I want to see what this is all about sure please don't scare the shit out of me right <laughs> <laughs> please be gentle yeah and um my experience which I'm kind of, I'm really open to these ideas of spirits or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not closed minded, but I'm also skeptical. Like I want to sure. have my own experience. Yeah. Um, and so people talk about this spirit and this intelligence that comes through in the ayahuasca experience. Um, and that it's, it's not just in your mind. It's a, you know, it's really tangible. And I was open to having that experience and I did ha end up having that experience and, yeah. you know, um, <clears throat> actually, and it takes a little bit of time for the medicine to take effect as with other psychedelics. Um, I mean, sometimes it comes on quick, but usually 20 to 40 minutes mm -hmm. and most ceremonies have a, a quiet period of time after the medicine is served to everyone and you sit in silence and get in touch with your intention and what you want to receive from the ceremony. Absolutely. And so <clears throat> when I started to feel the effects come on, um, the first, I heard basically a voice, not an audible voice, but it was a presence that had sort of a thought form. It's hard to, hard to explain how it communicates. Sure. <laughs> but there was a communication that happened. Mm -hmm. And it said, uh, nice to see you again. And it was my very first time drinking ayahuasca and it said, nice to see you again. And it showed me that um, I had drank ayahuasca many times in other lifetimes. Yep. 
which is not something I necessarily even fully believed in at that point or had like a deep experience of, of past lives and things like that. But it showed me myself and this uh, well-developed relationship with ayahuasca in the past. And Well, and you did. You walked in and introduced yourself and said, I want to get to know you and I want to get to know you well. And yeah. you really did just seek it, dive right in. It's like you already had an established base before any of that even happened. Yeah, I you know? guess so. I had no idea. You know, sure. I was like, I mean, I remember when my friend first, he asked me, have you ever heard of ayahuasca? And I never had. But something about that word, it like lit me up. Ayahuasca. Like I was struck with a deep curiosity. Like, what is that? It's just some, something about the sound of that word really pulled on me in a deep way. Same thing happened to me when yeah. I was first hearing it because we kind of, we had similar experiences our first ceremony, but how we got to our first ceremony, they were, it, the, the road was completely different. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, I had heard of ayahuasca in passing just very, very lightly. Um, but I had no intention of drinking that medicine or participating in a circle. I really didn't. I was not pursuing it at all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I fe- it, what it feels like now is that she was actually pursuing me, mm-hmm. you know, because I was living in the, in, you know, the mainland mm-hmm. in Sedona at the time. And everybody kept telling me, I kept meeting all these people that would say, hey, when are you going to Hawaii? And I was like, I'm not going to Hawaii. I'm not moving there. I'm not going there right now. I'm really happy in Sedona. And it kept happening. And so finally, I was just like, okay. And I, I like got out of my apartment. I left to Hawaii. And I was like, okay, there's a reason I'm here. But I still didn't know what it was. And then I just kept meeting all of these people that would bring up ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Just person after person, day after day. And finally, somebody invited me to a ceremony and I, I just said yes, mm-hmm. because so many things had happened at that point, one after the other of just ayahuasca bring, you know, coming into my field. Yeah. Synchronicity. And so yeah. I ended up in in ceremony. And then when I was there, like I hadn't had time or space to really think about why I was there, why I thought I was there or what was going on. I just sort of dove right in mm-hmm. and I really came from a place of humility and surrender and I fully acknowledged that I didn't know what I was doing (laughs) and that I was new at this and and I told her I kind of had a conversation with her when we were in that moment of silence that you were talking about and I just said hey I'm new at this I'm a little nervous I'm a little scared can you please 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 just be gentle with me I don't want to get sick I'm not ready for that yet Mm -hmm. Um, and I just sort of talked to her like I would talk to a friend Mm mm-hmm and she was so gentle so throughout gentle. the whole ceremony almost impossibly gentle exactly. like more more gentle than you even know how to ask for yeah cuz i had heard all these horror stories of people getting sick and not having a good time and you know just different different stories you hear right and so i was just clear that i didn't want to have that kind of experience and that i was going to do my very best to be open and to let her you know just guide me mhm um, and once that, once we made that connection, then she, she appeared to me and she answered my questions and we almost had a conversation. We did have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And at that point, everything was open to me. Mm-hmm. Nothing was off limits. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Yeah. It's, 
you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I heard people talk about this spirit that comes through and mm-hmm. that, and that, and it's a she, you know, yeah. people always say it's a, it's a feminine <laughs> right. spirit. And like I said, I'm, I'm open to things, but I want to have my own experience. Yeah. But having had my own experience, it's such, it's such a long way from the perspective of like, this is a drug. This drug does oh, this yeah. to your brain, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it goes way beyond that. Um, sure. And it's more like a relationship Not with, with exactly. a person or with a consciousness. And, you know, I could say, hey, uh, you got to meet my friend John. I think you guys <laughs> would really get along. But and, you know, like maybe you guys will get along. Maybe not. It's right. your relationship with John is going to be different than my relationship with John. And going to meet ayahuasca really. Yeah. Like now having had some perspective on it, you're going to build a relationship. And, and it's in my case, I feel like a relationship that uh, transcends life and death you know it can oh, yeah. it's it's a on a spirit level that you can continue that relationship after this lifetime or yeah you can carry it from previous lifetimes into this lifetime it's a hard thing to talk about it Relati- is. a relationship with a plant it can sound you know, crazy it does <laughs> but how how i knew that i was actually having a relationship with another you know sentient being or consciousness is that when I sat in ceremony that first time I had no idea what the plant was I didn't know there was a vine and a leaf and I I didn't know how you made it I had no clue what it looked like Mm -hmm. and how she appeared to me was as a vine Hmm. Mm -hmm. like she she was spiraling and it was very Mm vine-like and very much it, it looked like the plant actually looks but lights and colors (laughs) and other things right totally but the basic structure of the plant was there so she was showing me what she looked like yeah even though i didn't already know and then when i saw the plant after the ceremony i knew because there was no way i could have known right you know so that was kind of a way to confirm totally yeah yeah when the plant shows you things that you couldn't know otherwise Mm mm-hmm then you start to think, okay, maybe there's. I'm receiving. I'm, <laughs> I'm receiving, receiving information. information. Yeah, <laughs> from a plant. Right. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, it's it. These experiences with psychedelic plants have really expanded my mind and helped me understand how little we know as mm. a society, mm-hmm. especially as Western society. We think we think that we know a lot. We think that we're so advanced and intelligent. Um, we think we're the smartest thing on the planet and it is, it's a very unusual perspective to say that plants think or that plants are conscious, much less to say that plants are super conscious and that, I mean, ayahuasca is so intelligent that I can't really even fathom the level of intelligence and it's a plant, but is it a plant or is it a connection to something? Is, is it the plant? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It doesn't really matter. Mm-mm. But there is an undeniable experience of sure. a powerful sentience that, you know, I mean, honestly, like I don't, I, I am skeptical and I didn't believe it before I experienced it. 
but I didn't disbelieve it either. But but same. It's um yeah, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. You have to get your head out of it to really <laughs> you got you right. got to get in there. And then there's just you know swinging back around to the point that it's that it is medicine. Yeah. You know, and that it it's really easy to get stuck. It's not in just like a trip. Like exactly. A fun it's thing. easy to get stuck in the story of mm. it. Even after uh, you know you sit in a circle the next day, going through the story that yeah. happened the night before, and that's not really what the integration process is all about. It's not just about sifting through the story. It's actually integrating the energy that was exchanged between you the knowledge that's beyond language right into your subconscious like into who you are yeah. so that you can make better choices later and continue to evolve mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so it's not just about what you see and what you experience in the moment it's what you really learn about yourself and take with you and then also there's even physical healings that can happen in ceremonies i've seen For certain sure. things happen i mean you can it, really anything can happen yeah it's opening up this space of infinite possibility and saying what am i going to do with this mm -hmm. how can i heal myself how can i heal my family how can i help the world so like mm -hmm. it definitely helps to untie the knots yes, of belief systems definitely. of what is possible mm -hmm. it just shows you like you are limited in this way because you believe things work this way. <laughs> right. You have convinced yourself this is the way that things are. Mm -hmm. And so you are living in this tight frame of reality because that's all that's all that you see. But the but it has a way of showing you where you are, how you think and zooming that out and showing yep. like there's so much more possible um you know, especially related to medical things, you know, yeah. that, that yeah. like, oh, you, you know, you need to go to the doctor, you need this pill, you need this, whatever, this is how you heal from depression. I mean, especially things like depression, anxiety, um, stress, things like that. Like ayahuasca has showed me, I s got to see visually what stress looks like in, mm. the, in my body the energy of yep. stress, even just the energy exists, you know, that the way that um, the Indians talk about prana or the Chinese talk about chi. Sure. We don't recognize this in the Western medical system that there's a, even an energy body that exists. But <laughs> it's pretty hard to deny. Indeed it is. After a psychedelic experience that really, you know, can really show you. And also like... It's not, it's, it's not always like deeply profound. And what I mean by that is sometimes I'll find myself caught in these mind loops, mm -hmm. which I'm, I think we're all prone to having just daydreaming, yeah. um, thinking about this person or this situation and like, like, oh, uh, oh, this person said this rude thing to me. <laughs> I wish I had said this. And then like, right. and then, you know, they would probably say this and I would do this. And I think we're all prone to doing this in any, in any absent moment. Um, but it's different when you are in the middle of an ayahuasca experience and your mind starts to wander like that because your thoughts can become visual. You can 
find yourself in the middle of a virtual reality story that you're playing out that's like a full experience and it's possible to lose yourself in that where you lose you just get so caught up in it just like you would in a daydream sure and you're fully creating your own illusion yeah um that's the interesting thing to see yeah you know because that's what it shows you you come yeah when you come out of it then you're like oh my god like I just did that whole thing. I'm doing that all the time in my waking life, but it gives you a really palpable experience. And you also are more in touch with the energy that your thoughts created. That's, I think the the biggest point there is that you can actually see the result of a thought, right? What happens when you think a negative thought, what happens when you think a positive thought, what happens when you don't think at all, Mm -hmm. what happens? And you can watch it come into creation. And when you see that process, it forever changes how you go through your life. Because you know you're not just some out-of-control being that isn't responsible for their own reality and their own life. Yeah, the world is happening. Yeah, the world is happening to to me. (laughs) And it's not like that. It helps. I mean, it's really hard to maintain a mentality of victimhood when it shows you so clearly that you're responsible for your experience you're responsible for your thoughts if and if you don't do the training like meditation or whatever um or even your physical body it can show you like your body is moving slowly like you have all this stuck energy because Mm -hmm. you're not exercising you're not eating well enough it shows you all these things and you can't unsee it afterwards and you might try to unsee it. You might <laughs> right. eventually float back to your old perspective of, oh, these things are happening to me. I'm a victim in the story. But but it's a habit. You still know deep inside. You that, know deep inside that, that you, you are creating that right. for you. And the only person who can uncreate it or recreate a better existence, a happier existence, is you. Yep. And that's it that there's no one to blame uh and you have but also more than that you have the power to change yourself absolutely and it can help you see how to do it now you still have to do the hard work on your own and that's like part of the integration process is okay now i've seen all these things about myself and i actually have to apply it i have and that's probably even hard that's the hardest part hardest part and the most important Mm-hmm. Because if you see something great and you choose to forget it and you choose not to apply it, what's the point? Yeah. It's a memory. It's a story, just like anything else. Yeah. But, you know, if you take it and really work with it afterwards, it can change your life. Totally. It can it can be the difference between a happy life and an unhappy life. Yeah. It can change your relationships. It can change the way you interact with the earth and with other plants and with healing in general. I mean, it can really enhance every aspect of life mm-hmm. and then once you see that you can create a better existence for yourself you just do it you just start doing it yeah you can I you mean, can right you don't have to but it, you know it's, if it's, it, it's harder to make the choice to continue to suffer because right. you're doing it more consciously you know and we were talking we touched on this last night when we were talking about it just you know there's one advantage to doing a bunch of medicine and having these big experiences but there's also uh, you know maybe an even deeper advantage when you 
sit in a ceremony and then give yourself the space you need to integrate and make yeah. some changes and add in some more practices that are healthy into your life and then go back and revisit her again when you feel like you know you're ready for the next step or for when you need a reminder yeah I don't know about you, but I get in these modes sometimes where even though I've done all this work and this medicine work and this and that, where I'll just get in a mental loop, like you said, and mm. I forget what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what my purpose is and I forget, you know, oh yeah, I'm here to anchor life light and... into the world and <laughs> all of these things, right? You just forget and you get wrapped up and it's yeah. nice to have, you know, then you go visit her like a friend and just say, hey, Mm -hmm. starting to forget can you please remind me mm -hmm. of the truth and my truth mm -hmm. and how i'm going to manifest that mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's i i definitely consider ayahuasca to be a a, a powerful ally in my life it's really it's like friend like companion it's almost. the best friend like who knows you better than yourself yeah I mean, it sounds like I'm building it up to be this like uh, but amazing thing, but it has been an amazing force in my life. You know, it, it's it's hard to really convey, but it is hard to convey. We do our best, but yeah. words are words and they often fall short. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the challenges of an mm. ayahuasca experience, okay. because, yeah, a lot of this, a lot of these insights and benefits uh, come through the experience, but sometimes through challenging experiences. And sure. um, ayahuasca definitely can can push you a little bit, especially if if you're resistant. I'm more of a resistant person. <laughs> I don't know why, but I I like to be in control, or I like to maintain the illusion of control. Of control. Right. <laughs> and uh, ayahuasca likes to to push that edge of me um, to get me to loosen up yeah. and to show me that really I'm not in control. Um, but, and that hurts sometimes. Oh yeah. Because resist, I mean, it's really our own resistance that, that is causing the pain and the frustration, but yeah, it can be quite extreme when you're in the middle of ceremony and yeah, I haven't gone into, thankfully I've not gone into like a full panic or anything like that in ayahuasca, but it has happened. I've seen it happen to other people. Um, I don't. I don't know how that comes about, but um, you know, the thing for me that I've always kept in mind, and I learned this, you know, when I was a lot younger, when I was, you know, eating mushrooms all the time, you know, when I was younger and having those first hallucinogenic experiences, and the, my one saving grace, I've never had a bad trip you know, so to speak, like I've right. never had a bad time on any hallucinogen ever. Mm -hmm. And it's because of this one time I remember I was at the beach and this mountainside turned into this giant dragon <laughs> and it was terrifying and there were fires everywhere and there was the devil keeper and he was like, you know, had this pitchfork and it was this really dark, dark scene. Mm -hmm. And then I just changed my mind. Yeah. I changed my mind about it. I became friends with the dragon. Like the firekeeper was cool. He was just, you know, taking care of the fire. Mm -hmm. You know, we all need a firekeeper. He was just taking care of the fire. This was a human person. Oh yeah, was, and he okay. was actually yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just changed my mind, and then my entire reality shifted. It just goes back to that point where, if fear or resistance or any of these things that can come up during a ceremony, if that happens 
you anchor yourself to the light mm -hmm. and just like have a moment of prayer and complete surrender. Mm -hmm. And if you just let it go and say, help, I'm, I need help. Mm -hmm. It'll come like yeah. you can change that fearsome, scary place into something that you can work with and say, okay, what's this trying to show me? This isn't something to fear. This is something for me to work with right now. Right. This is something for me to befriend, even if it brings up feelings or emotions or, you know, whatever it brings up. Yeah. If it's here, the, me the medicine is showing me something like this. If it's here, this is something in me that I need to look at and I need to address. And that's not scary. I just need to focus. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like there's nothing bad or scary that can really happen if you decide that mm -hmm. and you yeah. ask for that, you know, and it can empower you in that way to help you find find that strength when you need yeah. it like maybe strength that you never knew that you had or you didn't right. you didn't know the depth of your own strength yeah. but when you're in that moment of being tested yeah and it's in you you can't get away from it it's happening uh you can freak the fuck out but it's not going to do any good totally. and you know in those moments somehow you can end up finding a deeper reservoir of strength yeah. to, to pull upon that that comes up and then all of a sudden you're just a stronger person yeah because now that you know where that reservoir is you can yeah you can access it at any time right and, and you can get deeper and deeper in yep. touch with that and you're like oh that's what they were trying to show me oh that's what this was you know yeah. it's like oh, okay yeah <laughs> um what what are some of the ways that you would say ayahuasca really changed your life or some, can you name some deep patterns looking back? Like, wow, I really struggled with this. And over the course of ceremonies or maybe even a single moment, like it really clicked in you. I think the biggest thing that I've gotten out of it is I, I really s saw the struggle that life can be. Mm -hmm. And how it's not how it doesn't have to be that way and how reality isn't this solid thing that you can't break or change but it's something that is constantly moving and changing and it's a part of me and i'm a part of it and we're all just connected and that sounds kind of woo wooey and you know no. cliche but that's what happened that's what i got out of it mm -hmm. and now when i'm going through my life and i'm dealing with the struggles that come up you know People die. People get sick. Um, people have a hard time. They go through depression. They, you know, there's so many struggles in life that you can get stuck in. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like no matter what, I will never be stuck because it's impossible. The only thing that can make me feel stuck is myself. Mm -hmm. And if I'm feeling st stuck, if I'm struggling, all I have to do is decide that I'm going to change that. Mm -hmm. And it happens. Mm -hmm. it, it's just, it's like it changed the way I go through life, the way I look at reality. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not afraid, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not worried that something's going to happen to me and, you know, cause me a lot of pain. Yeah. Because I know that the decisions I'm making are the causes for my future life and the energy that I'm putting out now is actively you know it's like I'm co-creating with the universe in this life and I can do whatever I want mm -hmm. 
How amazing is that? Mm-hmm. I can decide, oh, I'm going to go learn this. I'm going to go travel here. I want to teach this. I want to open up in this way. And if I put intention into it and then I seize the opportunity when the universe gives it to me, it just happens. Sure. But I think in order to do that, to, to I mean, I totally agree with the I'm fully on board. Yeah. You, you can just decide, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to shift and change in a new direction. But I think in order to do that, you have to also like, you have to believe in yourself, you know, like, well, and you I have think to interact with the universe and not just tell it what to do. When sure. It, you know, it's like, it's a game. The universe is going to throw something at you and then you, your response is going to trigger their response. And like, it's like this beautiful dance that goes back and forth and it may not always turn out the exact way your mind sees it, mm-hmm. but it's like the essence of what you're putting out there. Yeah. will come back to you. You just have to be able to identify it right. and say yes to it when it comes back. You know, it's yeah. like this interaction. But I mean, what I mean is you have a high degree of confidence in yourself and like you, you've had these experiences where you've found this reservoir of inner strength. You, you believe in your ability to, to change. You have changed, you yeah. know? And I think Ayahuasca certainly can can help build that. It it tests you and challenges you and encourages growth to help you build your character and help you build your confidence by going through these difficult experiences and coming out the other side. And you're like, wow, like I have more yeah. than I ever knew. Yeah. But I think that it's a lot of people get stuck on themselves or in themselves in a way. Like they want to make a change in their life, but it's not as easy for them to just decide, you know, or like, that's not, that's not necessarily accessible to them. Like, well, yeah, you know, I, I do want to change my life, but I have this, I have this, I have this. And really, I think those things are, you can overcome those, but people convince that themselves that these are solid obstacles that they can't surmount. Well, when you don't know, what you want or you don't know how to overcome an obstacle you don't know what you're capable of you don't decide but what you can do is just say okay show me how Mm -hmm. show me i don't know i don't know there is so much power in saying i don't know please help me with this Mm -hmm. i just don't know throwing my hands up show me and then i'll just play the devil's advocate yeah please do what if you don't pray. What if you don't believe in God or a divine spirit? Or what if you don't believe that anybody's listening? Well, that's why you you test it. And mm-hmm. you say, okay, maybe I don't believe that I'm going to get a response from this. But show me anyways. Mm-hmm. Just to test it. Mm-hmm. Just to see what happens. Sure. There's nothing to lose. There's nothing to lose. So why not just try? Yeah. Try interacting with the universe. I mean, there's obviously some creative force that's making all of this move and tick. There's some intelligence that we as human beings don't completely understand. What if it's just fully mechanistic and, and there's no totally intelligence? And it totally could be. But either way, even if it is just a mechanism, why wouldn't you want to interact with that mechanism like a computer and yeah. get it to work for you? So mm-hmm. you can totally look at it like a computer system. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it is kind of like that. Mm-hmm. It is kind of mechanistic because the mind is mechanistic. So any story that's filtering through the mind, any information that we're perceiving we're going to think about mechanically a little bit because mm-hmm. that's kind of what the mind does. It like puts things in yeah, categories and, you know, make order of chaos. Right. So it's always going to try to do that. And so that's okay. Yeah. You don't have to believe in anything. Right. I ultimately don't. 
I have no idea what all of this is, right. but I know what happens when I do certain things. Yeah. So I know if I interact with a certain way, if I have a certain attitude, something is going to happen. Like there's going to be a certain result from that. Mm-hmm. And so I just test it myself. It's a big experiment. Mm-hmm. It's a big science experiment. You can look at it that way. Right. Yeah. Say, show me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think the problem comes when people say, I do know. Sure. I know that th- I know this. I you know that. I, and then it's like, okay, we'll have fun spinning in your little box. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing I can do for you. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to say, maybe I don't know, then that's your open door to anything. Mm-hmm. You just have to, there just has to be a small opening. Yeah, you, you gotta know? have an openness to seeing right. things, to expanding your view. I mean, obviously, totally. obviously, as an entire species, our collective knowledge that we, that we have, obviously we don't know that much. No, <laughs> not at all. We don't know, we don't even know that much about our own bodies. We don't, right. we don't know why we're conscious we have no idea no we, ha- we haven't found figured out why are we sentient where's consciousness exist they can't find it in the and body it's because the mind is the one that creates all the questions mm-hmm. okay there are no questions really it's like the mind's creating the questions and then the mind creates the answers mm-hmm. it's like duality it's just this back and forth energetic play of things yeah it's not we want to know we're curious monkeys right Totally. We want to figure it out. We want the answer <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say though about prayer because yeah. I, I struggled with the idea of prayer for a while and I grew up. Me too. I grew up without, uh, without religion in my house. Um, Same. and just more of a, like a rational scientific view mm-hmm. of things, which I find very valuable. Me too. And, um, I still, that's still part of who I am very much. But, you know, like said, we don't know everything. There's a lot to know. We know barely anything. Um, But prayer for me, just, I think I had a block to it for a while because of religion. And I just saw a lot of things about the hierarchy and control structure and politics of religion and the wars and death over religion I just like, I was like, I don't know about this whole God thing and this whole prayer thing, but you know, eventually my open-mindedness and curiosity got <laughs> better of me. I remember the first time I prayed, I was like, I was by myself mm-hmm. and I felt so silly. I was just like, look at me in my room praying. Like, I don't know. I just felt silly, but, um, I think I had read some things or heard some things that gave me an open, like there's really nothing to lose. Like, let me just pray. Just try. And, Why not? And I think I prayed like I, cause I want to have an experience. I don't want to just believe in something blindly because no. I know that my mind creates illusions all the time. I don't want, I don't want to be, I don't want to trap myself in my own falsehood. I want to progress towards understanding and truth as much as possible. Maybe I'll never get there to the full totality. That's fine. But I don't want to spin myself in circles. So I think I just, I prayed for, you know, if there, if there is a divine force, if there's something listening, show me, you know, I want to have, I want to have an experience. Um, and I think maybe it was the Celestine prophecy (laughs) or one of these kind of books. Yes. Uh, which is actually like right here. I was going to say, I think you pulled it off my I, bookshelf. Yeah. 
um, or maybe it was the alchemist. I can't remember, but there's, there's one part where they're talking about manifestation and interacting with the universe or interacting with this energetic field that encompasses everything that exists. Right. And, um, he, the person wanted to like manifest a blue feather. Actually, now that I think of it, I think it was the book Illusions by Richard Bach, which is an amazing book, really good book, uh, whichever book it was. He, you know, he was like, I want to know that somebody's listening. I want to know that this is real. And so I am going to pray or attempt to manifest an object that when it appears, it will show me beyond a shadow of a doubt that something is interacting with me. And so he visualized like very specifically a blue, f uh, an exact blue feather. And then, and this is just a story, right? Yeah. But it's a story to illustrate a the deeper truth. concept. And so in the story he did this and then he came across this feather. And so I started doing things like that. I started experimenting and mm -hmm. feeling a little bit silly, feeling like, oh, maybe this is doing nothing, but... And um, it actually works. It and does. It, it, it's trippy. Like, it is. it'll trip you the fuck out. It sure will. When you ask <laughs> for something really, really specific, even just to prove that something's going on. Uh, and then, and, you know, you, you kind of have to ask with, like, in a heartfelt manner. Like, you can't there just be like. There is more to it you, than just asking. You can't just right. be like, this uh, probably isn't going to work. But, I mean. I want a million dollars on the table in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. You don't really believe that's going to happen. So, well, that's one thing too, is that the timing, um, the timing is not up to you. Is one nope. thing I've discovered. Agreed. Uh, it's just, you can't dictate when, nope. but, but you can dictate what. And, um, and you don't necessarily dictate how, right. It's like you come up with the what, but the timing and the how, not necessarily up to you, and sometimes it can be quite funny how that comes through. Yeah, the how <laughs> sometimes is very unusual. Yep. It will come out of left field from an angle you weren't watching Definitely. and just appear. And then, but I have such a doubting mind. Like it took me a while to develop a trust because even yeah. even though very specific things that I asked for would happen, I would be like, well. I don't know. Maybe that was coincidence. Right. It has to happen a lot of times. Uh, uh, I mean, for me anyways, I had to go too. through this many, many times before my mind would actually accept that this Something's was something. Happening. Yeah. This isn't there's just a, a fluky thing. Yeah. This is, there is a mechanism here. Like there's a me larger too. intelligence here. It took me, it took me a, a long, long time. time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and some pretty fine. big ones too, you know, like little things are one thing but I mean it took some big things happening too for me to accept mm -hmm. like I think the first time I ever really prayed was in a time of desperation mm -hmm. right and that happens totally. to a lot of people totally. you know I was in this I was in a panic and really in a bad spot and I was just kind of yelling at nothing mm -hmm. I mean you can call it God you can call it spirit you can call it whatever but I wasn't talking to anybody I was just talking reaching and yelling out. and reaching out but I and what I was saying was I feel stuck I need help I don't know what to do and then all of a sudden and I was you know this is one of those dramatic moments where I'm like on the bathroom floor crying and <laughs> you know like my boyfriend's in the other room and it was so textbook but it felt real to me at the time I thought my life was over in that moment yeah and 
And then once I asked for help and made that prayer, all of a sudden, everything stopped. I just stopped crying. I felt like emotionally neutral, completely balanced. And then this thought popped into my head, go to Hawaii. Hmm. And that's how I got to Hawaii the first time. Mm-hmm. The time I lived with you, that was the second time I had lived there. But the first time, it was in one of those moments of just extreme suffering where you pray because you don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And then I just got this very clear answer. And I went to Hawaii. And of course, all this magical stuff happened that changed my life. And so. And there's something about Hawaii that oh, just yeah. pave, paves the way for. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Yeah, transformation, work. I mean, it can just it, different things for many people, but for me, transformational, you know, deeper spiritual experiences definitely. Yeah, yeah, is and, linked with Hawaii. And there is, I've noticed, um, certain places have a power. You know, yeah. So I'm constantly like at odds with. We'll talk, let's talk about woo-woo stuff. Okay, right? let's talk about woo-woo stuff. Because <laughs> this sh- I am not woo-woo, and this show right. will not be woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I hope, I hope it doesn't come across as woo-woo, but there is, there is this kind of thing to address where um, people can talk about these kind of things in a way that where they don't necessarily... They're just repeating things that they've heard or things that sound profound and um, they come off as being empty and it can be, it can be the same words or the very same things that we're talking about, but um, there isn't any substance behind it. Um, I mean, I even have a hard time with the word spiritual now. Yeah, they've ruined because everything. Because it gets, because it gets, <laughs> they have, I know it's awful. Them. Because it gets thrown around in so many ways. But then what do you do when you want to talk about one of these experiences that is very real? Yeah. And, you know, or profound. Energy. Or energy. Right. I mean, if you don't call it energy, what do you call it? What do you call it? We need a new language. But that then there's people woo-woo. that are like, energy. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel the energy? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I feel it. Don't make such a big deal out of it. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing. It's like, like what you were saying about being astonished, you know? Yeah. Like, just because you're seeing all of this amazing stuff, it's kind of like, just relax and, and see what it is. Right. You know, don't get lost in the, the magic or the woo-woo-ness of it all. Right. Ground in and do your work. Yeah. It's not about bright colors and like foofy concepts and, you know, things like that. It's about doing deep work on yourself, getting to know yourself, asking, you know, questions about the universe and why we're here and what this place is. Mm -hmm. They're legitimate questions that I think every human being wants answers to. Mm -hmm. It'd be really great if we had a, a way to talk about that that wasn't, you know. Yeah. You know, if we had a better way to talk about these things. Yeah. I mean, that's we part of what we have, right? That's part <laughs> of the reason that I'm, I'm starting podcasts is yeah. I feel like it, it's easier for it to come across in a conversational format. Um, you know, if I write something, you know, it's just the, the text words can, you know, not necessarily convey the meaning, mm-hmm. but it, but even so it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard yeah. to get certain things to come across yep. in a way that like reaches people or 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 conveys the true meaning of what I what I mean well and a lot of these things we're talking about are things that are really beyond words and beyond concepts and when you're trying to talk about something that 
is beyond a word, it it's hard to talk about because it's a concept that really isn't yeah. able to be discussed, but we still want to point at it because we're having these experiences that transcend our ordinary reality and, you know, ordinary thoughts mm -hmm. and we want to share with each other. So mm -hmm. <laughs> how do we talk about it? It's challenging. It is. Especially when you start going to other dimensions. And exactly. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go very far to no. get to get onto the fringe, yes. you know, as far as just the mainstream mechanistic Newtonian view of reality, as far as, you know, I mean, let's let's say science has uh, figured out 1% of the universe. They haven't, not even 1%. But oh. it's like, Gosh, we know so little. I mean, why are we so arrogant that we think that we know so much? Um, Probably fear. Yeah. I think well, a lot of people have a hard time looking truth in the face and saying, I don't know what you are. Show me. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do for a lot of people. And it, it's uncomfortable, I think, it to is. feel so small, you know? It can be. Like, even with what we know, with yeah. actually, like... There's YouTube videos that show you, um, you can see the, the, the true scale of the universe right. where you show like, this is a man and this is the planet and this is the star. And you, you start to see how truly, truly small we are. That's even just within the 3D universe of what's known. But Right. But then you get to see how big you are. Sure. When sure. you drop the boundaries of who you think you are and expand out. Then yeah. you get to feel the totality of the universe, which mm -hmm. is completely amazing and blissful. But that's from a, like a non-egoic place, right. you know, right, like right, once, right. once <laughs> you know, the, the, e the ego wants to convince itself of that, you know, we're so important. Like I'm, I'm the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. I'm the most important thing. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of us walk around like that. I think our society condition conditions us oh, absolutely. to be that way. We're bred. Yeah, or to maybe, be that way. Maybe you know, there's part of our um, biological psychology that lends to that too. Self-interest, survival. Yeah. You know, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with those things. No, it's of course just not. you know, everything in balance, moderation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is the ultimate lesson for so many things, right? Yeah, balance and moderation. The middle road. The middle road. The middle way. It's a hard. I mean, it's. It's the hardest path for me to walk. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> it's hard for some reason. It's hard. Like extremes it, are fun. <laughs> if you can lock into it, yeah. then everything becomes easy. Yes. Like there's a way that if you're on the middle road and you're really in balance, yeah. um, it takes a lot of work is the thing. It's like, it you, does until you have it doesn't. To, yeah. You have, you have to work through all your bullshit and your excuses and yeah. your victim stories yeah. and your trauma. And, um, and come to a place of personal responsibility and balance, physical health. Yep. And, you know, yeah, like our society drives us in the opposite direction in many ways. But if you do all the hard work to kind of restore yourself to a balanced state, then it's it becomes easier to navigate life, I've found. Like when I'm really locked into that place, yep. when I've been doing yoga and meditation and I'm feeling good, when problems arise or like people try to like throw their bullshit at me sure. or they're rude to me it just doesn't bother me it just right. like rolls right off yeah or I have some kind of um you know problem to solve in my life oh how am I going to do this oh let me organize this event 
somehow when you just have that abundance of internal resources and you know who you are and you believe in yourself and you're confident, you can just get shit done and, and you're not in your own way as much. Yeah, I agree. That's the middle road. It's, it's hard, it's hard to align to it, I think, but if you can get past all the reasons not to and lock into that, then it's smooth. It smooths things out. I had a really interesting experience once um, where, and it was an intense, I think it was three days where I drank medicine for three days straight. And it was a very intense journey. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that happened, and this is probably still one of the most profound things that's happened to me since I've worked with plant medicines, is my ego. <laughs> I danced with my ego, but I, in such a way that was so interesting, it really made me understand how it worked. And my ego became personified. And it was this sexy woman in a red dress. (laughs) And she was beautiful and smart and manipulative. And Mm. she could convince anyone of anything. And she was kind of just this reflection of, I was dancing back and forth between, okay, well, how do I tell the difference between my ego and, you know, non-egoic information that's coming through, just truth coming through? How do I tell the difference? And she was showing me how easy it is to get confused and how tricky that energy is, Mm -hmm. how you can think that you're being so profound and you're not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I should say me. I can think I'm being so profound and I'm really not. Mm -hmm. You know, there are moments where now I catch myself where I'm really looking at my motivation. Mm -hmm. What's really motivating this action right now? Mm -hmm. Why am I really doing it? Am I doing it to be nice to this other person? Am I actually being selfless right now mm-hmm. as I'm volunteering? Like, what do I want? What's the manipulation that sure. I've been kind of programmed to go after mm-hmm. and really trying to unwind that? Yeah. And like, can we even truly be selfless? Is that even possible? You know, mm-hmm. I think so. so well, may, you know, I don't know. That's a whole, the but whole who thinks philosophical so? <laughs> argument of, right. uh, altruism. So it's just, you know, it was interesting, but it, the way the medicine showed me that mm-hmm. it was so creative and dynamic. Like it was, I will never forget that. And I always carry it with me now when I'm really analyzing my motivation and why I'm doing what I'm doing and where is it coming from? Yeah. And am I really being of service right now? Mm-hmm. Or am I just liking the way I look being of service right now? Right? right. Do I like the attention I'm getting from being of service right now? All of these things. Yeah. That's so it really important. made me look at that. Just to bring in that observer part yes. of ourselves, you know. Yes. Oops, see there, my camera went off again. Well, at least he noticed right away. <sighs> so annoying. I got to figure that out. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were talking yesterday about uh, like the human animal, you know, yes. and how... You know, we we are all biological creatures that evolved from primates, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And there's there's a field called evolutionary psychology, mm-hmm. which talks about how our not only have our bodies evolved to uh, our physical circumstances to be to survive on this earth, but so is our psychology. Certain mm-hmm. certain patterns and behaviors like. The easiest example is arachnophobia or fear of snakes and spiders. Um, 
and you know why why are we so scared why do we have this primal fear of snakes and spiders but we're not afraid of cars when we're, right. we're actually way more <laughs> likely to be killed by a car right. than a snake or a spider at this point yeah it's because it's deep in us mm-hmm. and and over who knows hundreds of thousands or millions of years um a, f- a fear of snakes and spiders could actually prove to be advantageous right. and help people survive and so yep. over a long span of time evolution could have selected for um for that kind of fear but cars are so new that you know we don't adapt that quickly like well, our, and why our, aren't we afraid of the fact that our oceans are filled with plastic and we're eating it right. or you know like why aren't we afraid you know of all of these things that are going on globally right now that should scare the shit out of us but don't Right. Why aren't we scared of all of that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, <laughs> but we're scared shitless of spiders, you know? <laughs> right. So it just goes to show you there's a bit of a, you can't always trust your fears. Maybe they're not sure in alignment with what's actually happening anymore. Yeah. But also a lot of the egoic drives that you were talking about, um, yeah. all, all, all of these things are related to, because we're a tribal society, you know, sure. I mean, primates live in tribes and um, the various, you know, Homo erectus, Homo sapien. Mm-hmm. We've been around for a long, longer, much longer time than civilizations have existed. Right. And um, certain things like, uh, yeah, I mean, being well liked is important. Being well liked by yes. other people. It gives you status, mm-hmm. um, leadership qualities are uh advantageous um and just different different ways that people behave basically a lot i think a lot of the ways that people behave in society uh, we're kind of drawing upon our human animal side how men and women interact at times yeah especially so yeah Yeah. and i mean evolutionary psychology goes into promiscuity and why people cheat on each other but also why like there's an there's advantages to cheating and getting away with it but also advantages to um parental investment you know (laughs) they call it um actually staying with a partner Mm -hmm. to like raise your child all these things i just i mean learning things about that and then looking out in society i'm like oh my god we're just all on autopilot so many people are on autopilot and the I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Well, I'm on autopilot part of yeah, the time. We and all I'm, are. And I'm aware of all of these things, and I'm still on autopilot, right? For sure. I mean, For I, sure. I pop out of it, and then I'm like, oops, <laughs> fell but, back into that again. But like you're saying, you know, having that observer where you're yeah, even just exactly. questioning, just to question, why am I doing this? Um, am I being nice to this person because I want to help them or because I want them to like me? Exactly. Or I want to gather favor so they'll help me later. And I mean, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that to, you know, build alliances with people. Right. But, but it is it's, happening. It's interesting that way. to notice yeah. that's what's happening. Yeah. And to not just like, yeah, like roll along with it. Yep. Indeed. Yeah. Well, and it's nice to know where we are, why we're doing what we're doing, and mm-hmm. really actually looking at why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times, like you said, like we're acting like animals, we're just doing what we instinctually do without Mm -hmm. thought Mm -hmm. it just happens yeah and personally i think that we're we're capable of so much more than that like we have we have our instinctual tendencies 
but and they're useful to a degree for for sure um but they also can limit us if we're not aware of them mm-hmm. and i i feel and know that we can we can overwrite that those biological tendencies um it's difficult but the more aware of these sort of mechanisms and tendencies and instincts that we have you can you can yeah. choose your own behavior you know right you know it's i didn't believe that for a long time i was very skeptical and then i started meeting people that had overcome and you know have obtained higher levels of consciousness where they are have worked themselves outside of it Mm -hmm. um and that's interesting to be around somebody that's just already in that space Mm -hmm. and to feel the difference between myself and them Mm -hmm. it's like a you can feel it (laughs) i can feel it yeah yeah and you know i work at land of medicine buddha so we have a lot of higher lamas that come through and offer teachings which is a buddhist retreat it's a buddhist retreat center right and um so every once in a while we'll just get this amazing teacher that comes through Mm -hmm. and you know like lama zopa rinpoche he's a lama and he cares about every single being on this planet he will take as much care of an aunt as he will as his sister like he genuinely looks at all things as being like one creation and mm-hmm. treats everybody accordingly mm. and his actions automatically do that mm-hmm. like that's fully who he is and to see somebody like that is amazing mm. and inspiring. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to know that we can get there and we can overcome our habits and our patterns and our negative thoughts and all of these things. I've met enough people now that I feel are in that place that it, it's given me more confidence to say, okay, if he can do it, I can do it. it might take me a while, right? but I can get there eventually and I'm going to keep working at it. A living example. A of living example is helpful. Yeah. Or if you've ever, you know, sat in ceremony and been led by somebody that's, you know, like a, a powerful shaman and mm. you see how they can care for everybody and completely hold everyone's journey in their, you know, yeah, in their space and, and stay, hold it down and stay, stay calm, grounded and yeah. calm and just, you know, right there. Super solid in yep. the midst of really intense situations. And you look at that person and you say, okay, if they can do it on some level, so can I. I just have to practice and I have to work at it and I have to be diligent. Yeah. There is actually a lot to say for disciplining your mind and your actions and, you know, doing things that are a little tougher. Yeah. We got the wind chimes going. We do. (laughs) (laughs) There's actually a magical story with those chimes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think that uh, now more than ever, discipline is an ultra valuable quality. And I think... I mean, gosh, look how many people have fallen by the wayside to their iPhones and the internet. And it's just like ultra distraction, indulgent society. You know, we've we've gone from instant gratification culture now to the max of extreme where you can be preoccupied in every single moment. And um, I think it's only going to get well, not worse, worse but, and better, like but on both. Ends I guess of the rather than saying it's <laughs> going to get worse, like 
your ability to indulge is going to be amplified. Like if you want to, if you want to escape into distraction and indulgence, there's going to be even more available to you once virtual reality comes along and who knows what comes along in the future. But, and I think that, um, you know, those people who can be disciplined and, carry forth and stick to the middle road and really get in touch with what do I need to do to take care of myself? Uh, what are the things that I'm doing right now that are sapping my energy or are drawing me away from what I need to be a balanced, healthy person mm-hmm. and ha- to have the ability to actually follow through on that path instead yeah. of getting sucked into distraction. Uh, I mean, those are going to be the those are going to be the new powerhouse people yeah in the, this evolving society because if everybody is stuck in their distractions whoever wants to pull the strings can yeah totally i mean that's just the way that it works if you're not focusing your awareness and using it like you're supposed to and you're just lost in the nonsense then anybody can stand there and just pull the strings and dangle something different in front of you totally. and they can change your behavior definitely you're giving you're giving away your control they can manipulate by just what you know words are powerful images are powerful what we see and what we subject ourselves to even if it's just a flash of a moment it impacts our consciousness mm-hmm. it, imp- it it has an effect mm-hmm. all of these lights and flashy commercials and the media and the lies and this and that and the other and the violence that all becomes a part of our consciousness when we expose ourselves to it mm-hmm. and if we're just flipping through our phones all day that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it in essence if you're checking your Facebook or reading your email. But if you're doing it all the time mm-hmm. and, you know, people today are spending, you know, eight, ten hours a day easy yeah. looking at their phone. And we all know when we're going overboard we with do. it, you know. But and it's like. I feel guilt. Or, you know, so do I'm, I. I'm like. I'm like, this is enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel good about myself if I have. Right. If I know that I have things to do and I'm just like. Well, it affects time. how we think. Like, look at your thoughts. Where do they come from? Where do they come from? Do you decide what thoughts come in your mind? Is there like a part of your mind that's like the thought creator and it like creates all the thoughts and decides what thoughts are going to come through at any given time? How do these thoughts even come through? Mm-hmm. What attracts these particular thoughts to me and not to you? You know, like mm-hmm. why am I having them and not, you're not having them? Mm-hmm. It's because we are what our experiences are in the past. Like whatever, exactly. Like if you are one thing, you're going to track certain thoughts. Totally. If you're putting something out, you're going to track thoughts that are kind of in alignment with that. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking a lot about some violent TV show, if you really pay attention, you'll start to see thoughts creep in your mind, just random little thoughts that seem kind of inconspicuous Mm -hmm. that are kind of negative and kind of violent. And you don't take them seriously because you know you don't believe them, but they're still there and they're still being attracted into your mind. Yeah. So it's like it makes sense to me to fill my life with things that I want to be thinking about. Yeah. Like nature and friends and, you know, good, (laughs) good things like that that I want in my space. Yeah. You know, I had a very tangible experience um, in one of the ceremonies that we were in together out in Hawaii. Um, I was having like very, very intense, graphic, violent visual scenes come like into my experience. They, and 
I was having visions, but really they were like what I was talking about before, like thoughts made into visions. Mm -hmm. And I was just experiencing these scenes over and over, like, like, uh, like gory war scenes and death and like blood guts splattered across the wall, like things that I've never even seen in movies, like really like real life past stuff. Well, I don't think it was past stuff, but eventually I was just like, I was just like, God, where is all of this coming from? Because it was intense. It was intense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just and it was disturbing for sure. It was Mm -hmm. disturbing. And I was just like, where is this coming from? And then I don't know, like the the knowingness that comes when I I just ask myself something. I don't know if ayahuasca is telling. I don't know where the answer comes from necessarily. Yeah. But the answer that came was this is coming from, uh, lots of violent video games and lots of violent imagery and war movies and you know Mm. people people talk about that a lot right like it's it's not like i've never heard that before that taking in a lot of violent imagery can affect you but but i didn't really think it affected me somehow somehow i convinced myself like oh i know this is a game i know this is a movie right um but i i had that experience of like I've had similar experiences of where I can, where I'm experiencing being deprogrammed from something I've been programmed to. And I've had that experience with ayahuasca quite a few times. Yeah. I feel like she's very good at that. Yeah. And I, it just, it almost feels like my mind is a computer and it feels like she's going in and like rewriting the program is what it feels like. Right. What's actually happening. I don't have a clue, but there's been a few times where I get, images will flash forward and I'll see them really fast and I don't really I'm not really grasping what they are but I know they're things that I've picked up that she's just kind of defragmenting defragmenting exactly totally it's like a mental mental times. yeah well this sounds like a good time to talk about the purge (laughs) let's do it (laughs) which which is uh definitely an important part to talk about in the introduction to ayahuasca sure so for those who don't know, ayahuasca uh, can make you throw up and can also give you diarrhea and or just it. Good it, fun. It, it, yep. it, yeah, you it pr- cleans the pipes, it cleans the pipes. <laughs> and I remember when I I was like hearing all of these wonderful things about ayahuasca and people were like, oh, yeah, but it also makes you vomit and shit. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah i hate vomiting mm-hmm. you know i mean nobody likes vomiting but right i did a lot of drinking in college and vomited more than a few times and i fucking hate it yeah and i was just like ah uh, like well okay but uh <laughs> <laughs> it and it took me a while to kind of understand the the purpose of the purge I think that's the ticket there is really understanding what's happening. What's happening. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you want to take a stab at it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell I had, I was like really, really afraid of throwing up and getting, getting well is what, you know, we sure. call it. Instead of getting and sick. Get, instead of getting sick, you call it getting well. Cause that's essentially what you're doing. But I was terrified. I just, I didn't want to throw up in front of a group of people. Mm. I, I was afraid cause I didn't know what it was going to feel like. I I just didn't want to throw up. It just seemed really uncomfortable for me. And remember I was telling you about that first ceremony, how I was asking her to be gentle with me. 
and she showed me two things mm-hmm. that kind of helped me gear up to get well. Mm-hmm. And the first thing she showed me was because the first ceremony I was starting to feel sick in my stomach mm-hmm. and I thought, oh God, oh no, I don't want to get sick, you know? And she's, and she basically told me to relax and that she was going to show me something. Mm-hmm. And what she did is she, she showed me how to take, cause it was really this, it was, it felt like all of this negative gunk was just coming into my stomach, like being pulled into my stomach from, but it's not just physical, it's emotional, mental, spiritual. It's really hard to explain what that actually feels like, but it would feel like she was just pulling all of this stuff that I needed to get rid of into one spot. And I felt really nauseous. And then she showed me how to transform it without getting sick. Hmm. And she showed me how to do it. And then my nausea just completely went away. Mm-hmm. And it was all about, it was like pure alchemy, just using light, just transforming one substance into another and releasing it. Mm-hmm. And she showed me this internal process on how to do that. Yeah. Kind of out there, but whatever, it worked. I was feeling sick one moment and the next minute I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened. Mm-hmm. The other thing she showed me was um, I was getting sick, so I went to sit outside and I sat on a rock. And she showed me how the earth can pull things out for you. Mm-hmm. And she showed me that. So it was another situation where I had felt like I was getting nauseous. And she showed me a different technique to use. And then my nausea went away instantly. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm feeling kind of sick, kind of nausea. It was like, I'm going to throw up all over the place and <laughs> it's going to be nasty. And I can't hold it in type of a feeling. So to yeah. have that feeling and then to have that completely dissolve is a pretty powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. both of those little techniques she showed me worked. Hmm. And after that happened, I started to see the value of what she was doing. Right. She was removing things that weren't serving me anymore in and all kinds of different things, whether it's physical or non-physical, you know, mm-hmm. even just like toxins you're getting rid of or whatever. And so once I started to really appreciate the process of that, I became open to getting well. Mm -hmm. And then it became this thing that I was kind of gearing up toward and working towards. Mm -hmm. And when it finally happened, it was unlike anything I've ever experienced. It didn't feel like I was actually throwing up. Right. It's not like that. It's like my body completely merged with everything around me and there was an exchange and it's hard, it's really hard to explain, but that's the best way I think I can do it. And then once that happened and I kind of saw what it really was, then it became this amazing tool, this amazing gift. Mm-hmm. And my mind set completely changed. Yeah. But, you know, it was a process for me and it took me months yeah. before I got to the point where I really even understood what was happening. And, and even still, I don't actually understand, but the experiences I had you know, they meant something to me and it, and it seems to be working. (laughs) It Mm -hmm. seemed to work well. For sure. So then I just wasn't afraid anymore. Yeah. You know? Right. But it wasn't like just throwing up in a substance coming out of your mouth. Like it's not like that, or at least it wasn't for me. Yeah. It's a different kind of throwing up and it's, it's it's hard to, it's hard to get your head around because any other time you're throwing up, some you know you you've been poisoned or something like yeah. that and it's that's your body releasing poison right but i want to mention that ayahuasca 
is completely non-toxic. Right. Like it, you know, it's like not we, a poison. we've analyzed it. It's not poisonous. And some people that they're like, oh, what did I drink? I've been poisoned. No. It's, it's actually not poisonous. It's very bitter and it has like a pungent, like there's some strong flavors there that will, that do cause some physiological responses in the body. Mm-hmm. But if anything, they're purging. Like you have that bitter flavor mm-hmm. and that's going to immediately act on your liver and gallbladder. That's going to cause things to get pushed out in a good way. So it even gets your, your, it gets your, your saliva bowels, going. Yeah. It gets everything going. It gets everything going and moving. Yeah. And yeah. And then you can get it out right. easier. I've also had that experience of the, just feeling like density or darkness. Yeah. Like start to start to um, coagulate, con- coagulate like, yeah. and concentrate. <laughs> and yeah. I feel a building up. Mm-hmm. And I think we all have a natural tendency to clench around pain and discomfort, be it emotional pain or physical pain. And I notice that I have to really focus on relaxing, like surrender, dr- dropping into a deeper <laughs> breath yeah. and like, you know, making sure that I'm keeping my chest open. I'm sitting up straight. I'm not like hunching over or like in a fetal position. Mm-hmm. You want to sit up straight and it took me a while to get to this point. I had to kind of learn the hard way by doing right. the natural thing of yeah. clenching up. But eventually I came to realize that, yeah, the purge is helpful. And mm-hmm. I don't—I actually don't mind. I, I came around to where I don't mind throwing up. I hated throwing up, but actually I got around to it. Once to, you get the goo out, sometimes that's when you get blasted out into the most amazing yes. journeys. You know, sometimes you have to get some stuff out of the way. So mm-hmm. that you can see the bigger picture or whatever the case may be. And it can really, bl- like you throw up, you get well, and then you just blast out into a completely different yeah, scene, yeah, you know? Totally. And um, the the actual physical purging can, it's going to sound weird, but can actually feel pleasant. Like if That's the weird thing. When yeah. I, I've been able to get to a point where I'm so relaxed and I'm just allowing it to happen because mm-hmm. I've had enough experiences to realize that this is healing. This isn't right. hurting. And, uh, it just comes out and, you know, in a ceremony, everyone has a bucket nearby. Uh, so just grab your bucket and it's just, it's just this cathartic release yeah. that, and sometimes, sometimes it's just like, you make the motion of throwing up, but nothing actually comes out. Yep. Or there's just energy that comes out. I call it energetic throwing up. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes it's physical as liquid and sometimes you it's puke intense. into a bucket yeah. and it's forceful. Uh, and sometimes it's gross. Not going to lie. Sometimes it's gross. Um, but after it's done, I have, I've had many of these kind of like blast off experiences where like I'm just sighing deep sighs of relief. I just I just lay back and 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 sit up straight or lean against the wall and I I can't I can't stop sighing just like ah like yeah. I feel like a huge weight has been lifted off of my spirit. I f- yeah. I feel lighter and um many times I'll just my consciousness or whatever I'll just lift into these like bliss realms. Mhm. And that's hard to describe, but it it's is, just, but it's amazing. There's these like, and there's colors that come along with it, like pinks and yellows. And it's almost like 
being in the clouds it's like it's yeah. like what the clouds look like at sunset the pink yeah. the pink cotton candy clouds or something like that it's hard to describe but and um yeah i just can I, i'm it lifts me up mm-hmm. where i'm unencumbered from all those things that were holding me back yeah and it can be amazing and if you think about how many how much we hold on to just as humans mm. Just emotions, negative thoughts, you know, thoughts about ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. just things that we hold on to, like negative thoughts about us mm-hmm. and how damaging that really is. Mm-hmm. And then here comes along, you know, ayahuasca and she gives you this opportunity to let some of that go. Yeah. And it's an amazing gift. Amazing. Yeah. And regardless of what anyone thinks about it or, you know, whatever stories we all have about what this kind of medicine work is if you try it, you just kind of have your own experience and it's your own thing. Mm-hmm. And it can be, it can, anything can happen, but there are, there do seem to be some certain things that happen to almost everybody, which is interesting too. Like the getting well and how that's experienced, how colors are seen and certain patterns that are always seen. Or, yeah. you know, like there's, there are commonalities between journeys. Right. And it's like everybody's kind of going to the same place, but it's a different interaction. Right. You know? Totally. So it's really an interesting thing to experience because it's not the same for everybody, yet there are these common things that do seem to show up in almost every ceremony. Everybody that I've talked to that's had an experience. I always find common ground with them. Yeah. It's never just like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. That doesn't make any sense to me. And they start cool talking have... and then I understand. It's like, oh yeah, I get that. Yeah. It's cool to have such a far out experience that's so far from your normal reality. Yes. And then get together and talk afterwards. Yeah. And like, yeah. And it, it, it does bond you with people. It does. Know? Even though like the ayahuasca experience itself is more of a, like more of like a solitary meditation you're mm-hmm. all in this group together but yep. you're not talking to each other no. <laughs> no you're doing your own work you're sitting in your own seat you don't touch other people it's very much for you yep but but there's but it balance. is helpful to it's like, like the talk collective to and the personal there's like a collective journey and a personal journey you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. it's interesting and it's what's also fun i don't know how often this happens to you it's just kind of another way to confirm that what I'm experiencing is a real experience, right? Mm -hmm. But if you see something and you have an experience and then somebody else that was sitting across the circle from you that you've never spoken to before had saw the same thing, did the same thing, had the same experience in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's just another way to understand that, okay, so clearly what we see isn't the whole story because Mm -hmm. I had the same experience as that person. I've never talked to them before and we weren't speaking during the ceremony and they're telling my story. Yeah. You know, how do they know my story? Mm -hmm. (laughs) How did they see what I saw? Yeah. It was such accurate detail. Don't know, but it happened. So what do you do with that? Yeah. (laughs) And that's, that is, that's commonly reported, Mm -hmm. not just with ayahuasca, but other psychedelics, LSD in particular, people have shared visions or shared telepathic experiences. And I mean, we have that without plant medicines, mm-hmm. you know, you're thinking of a friend and then they call you and they're like, oh, I was just thinking about you, you know, just yeah. like even little things like that. We're so much more connected than we think. 
I agree. And it's, ayahuasca gives us a window into that. It's and it's the visionary plants make that experience much harder to deny. Exactly. Like, I mean, because that those kind of things do happen all the time yeah. and people write them off as coincidence. Exactly. But when you have like a really detailed like a visual out of body or whatever kind of experience yep. and you share it with somebody else. I mean, or you meet a being from another place with somebody else. Yeah. So, you know, it's just not you talking to this other being. There's another person. Yeah. It That's becomes undeniable there, it at becomes a certain point undeniable. where it's like, okay, there's something going on here. Science does not explain it. No. But and that's fine. Maybe it will, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist because science can't detect it. You know? Oh God. No. <laughs> I mean, if we went on what science can detect, we'd be lost. You we, know? Yeah. We don't, we don't, <laughs> don't want to go with that. We don't know that much. <laughs> no, we don't. No. Um, I want to talk to, oh, well, I want to talk about Icaros. But before that, mm. um, just still going on the shared visions. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, so you mentioned that you saw the vines, right? You didn't yes. had no idea it was a vine, but you saw the mm -hmm. ayahuasca vine in mm -hmm. your vision. Uh, snakes is a yep. another thing people report, like mm -hmm. multicolored snakes. Yep. I've seen plenty of snakes myself. Um, I've seen a jaguar. Then there's uh, um, people see hummingbirds or parrots or butterflies. There are these kind of animals that come through. Yep. And I've mostly seen snakes. I saw a lion once. I don't know why I saw a lion. Maybe that was my <laughs> own mind. I don't know. Right. But I definitely saw a jaguar another time. Yeah. But uh, the snakes in particular, it's not like maybe you could say it was a hallucination, but the, the way it appeared was it was so distinct. It was so detailed um, and it wasn't a figment of my imagination. Sure. It was like my eyes are closed and everything's black like when your eyes are closed. And then all of a sudden there's just this multicolored bright color changing snake that's just weaving its way into your visual field right and there it is <laughs> there it is it's there <laughs> yeah yeah and i would say of everything i've heard snakes are the most common thing that people see i think so and ayahuasca is very snake-like it is the energy yes. the way the energy moves yeah you know like it's you can almost kind of move your body to the like the beat of ayahuasca in a way. Like if yeah, you move it has your a body a certain way. And you can, I noticed, you can move your body in certain ways to kind of work with the medicine also. Totally. Like work with your own energy channels and energy centers and you can work with it that way too. Yeah. If that's something you're into, but that can be helpful. And it's so interesting how the energy of different plants feels like. Oh yeah. And I think that's part of the reason ayahuasca feels feminine. It's mm -hmm. like, it's this sort of, curvy yes. slithering energy yes. that and and it comes in waves mm -hmm. too it's not always just like full on like yep. it can it can come and rise like that but then cactus like san pedro i've never done peyote but i've done san pedro san pedro is definitely more of a masculine type of energy and the visions themselves are more angular um, and it's more like direct mm -hmm. and driving and energetic and yeah, I feel like cactus med any kind of cactus medicine I've had has been more masculine. Yeah, um, San Pedro is like for me, it's like the cute, loving grandfather. Like totally. that's the end. That's just like the whose heart is as big as the world. You know, that's who San Pedro is to me. Yeah, and peyote is like hardcore grandpa. That's just like 
<laughs> more stern. <laughs> yes, more stern. <laughs> You've done peyote ceremony? I have, yes. Mm-hmm. I have. Only a few times, but... Yeah, I'd like to do that at some point. I feel like I really learned a lot about prayer sitting up in teepee. Mm-hmm. Like the power of prayer mm-hmm. and what that really is all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of the prayers can take the form of song in yes. the, te- and, in the yeah, teepee ceremony. Yeah, Icaros, yes. Icaros. So songs what, are powerful. So what Icaros are, are traditional medicine songs. And there's many, many tribes that have an ayahuasca tradition. And they, they have di- their different ways of doing things. Um, they all have their own songs. There's a lot of commonalities with how they hold the ceremony. Um, but there's no like set way that, or no right way to do ayahuasca. Uh, to hold a ceremony, um, but Icaros, there. What the native people say is that ayahuasca. They they learned these songs from the plants, so they didn't write the song like, "Oh, this I'm going to make a medicine song." Um, the plant actually taught them the song, so they they receive the Icaro. They're in the ayahuasca experience, or. Um, and you can mix in many different plants with ayahuasca. Usually it's the ayahuasca vine and the chacruna leaf, which contains DMT. But there's other plants that contain DMT, like chaliponga or many right. other ones, many, many, many other ones that you can mix in. And the spirit of those plants will come in too. Right. And um, as far as I understand it, each plant has its own ikaro, and ayahuasca has many ikaros. Mm-hmm. And... The Ikara is sung by the shaman, and um, it's kind of like a tool. So there's an Ikara for protection or an Ikara that encourages forth the power of ayahuasca, like it it kind of summons it forth. And it's it's hard to describe, but it's it's amazing to these songs first off are really beautiful and um Many of them are, some are in Spanish, but most are in Quechua, which is the native language of Peru. And um, they're often sung with a rattle or drum, but they have, they have a beat and a melody. And they, they have a, like the songs and the sounds just, they, they, they they elicit a certain reaction. Like they're, each song has a purpose. Yeah. It's not just like singing a song that you're listening to on the radio. You're right. singing a song with intention, and the result of you singing that song is somewhat already known. Yeah, and it does something to your it experience. It does something. It interacts with everything that's going on inside of you. It's it summons like in many cases it summons the medicine for. It's I a mean, powerful, powerful thing not to be underestimated. <laughs> the power of an Icaro. I've been in ceremonies where there's... Because a lot of ceremonies, like... The, the ceremonies I like, there's long periods of silence. Mm-hmm. Like, if the person who's holding the ceremony is really in tune, which is so important, and not yes. everyone who holds ceremonies is in tune with what's going on in the room. But people who are really well-trained... And they know what they're doing. They hold a solid ceremony. They can, they're listening to ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is guiding them. They're holding the ceremony with ayahuasca. And they know when is the time to sing and when is the time to be still and silent. But I've been in ceremonies where there's been 
a period of silence and the room is pretty still yeah and then the shaman starts to sing a song and it's a really powerful song yeah and everyone starts puking yep like yep <laughs> including me everyone, including me yes indeed I because I've had that it just yeah. it wakes it up in mm-hmm. you and it's you know it's a healing song and everyone yep. starts Everybody going gets off well <laughs> and it's kind of funny because everybody's just getting well at the same time yeah you know where we we held ceremony together there was an outside balcony yeah um that would that went around the entire building so all of a sudden everybody would just one by one get up and go outside and we'd all be throwing up together over the balcony (laughs) (laughs) and every once in a while you kind of look over at someone and you're just like (laughs) you know that kind of acknowledgement yeah um but yeah you have to kind of you know it's good to be aware of the songs um and when I first started drinking medicine, I didn't know this. I didn't know the power of a song. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of understood the power of a mantra. So I was, I, I kind of understood it, but I didn't understand that these songs were really powerful and that they have results. Yeah. I sat next to somebody, really amazing musician in ceremony once, and he was singing a song and it just be hap- happened to be a song that I knew. And so I sang it and I sang it with such passion mm. And I, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, but I was singing it, and it was a song that was calling in spirits of the animals. Which one? Um, I don't even remember. It's the one that goes through and it calls in. At first, you do like you just do every animal one after the other. Uh-huh. And um, I don't even remember the song at this point. It was so long ago, but yeah. I remember going through each animal, and I wasn't even conscious of what I was actually doing. I was singing. I was calling in the spirits of these animals to me in the circle yeah and they came oh come yeah and that's the thing to be aware of too if you're going to call out to something in a in a ceremony be aware that it might come totally and it might come in a way that's really strong yeah i ended up outside on the balcony <laughs> and it was one of the most intense experiences ever on medicine where it's one of those experiences that easily could have thrown me over the edge right because uh-huh. all of the animals were like jumping into my body mm-hmm. and they were all working they were all doing things and i couldn't quite figure out what it was that they were doing but i was interacting with like eight animals at once and they were like inside of me mm-hmm. it was wild and then I, and i i didn't i wasn't even aware at that time what was actually happening and then when I was integrating afterwards, I thought back to it and I was like, God, what was that about? I want to go back, revisit that experience. And then I remembered singing that song mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, I called them and they came. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just this moment where it was like, oh, wow. OK, so thoughts are really powerful in ceremony. Yeah. If you do speak, words are extremely powerful mm-hmm. and loud and intense. Mm-hmm. And when you're singing it's just it's a force yeah and it and it will cause some sort of a reaction so it's really good to be aware about what you're doing like actions of body speech and mind are of utmost importance not just for our own journey but for the, the journey of the people around you mm-hmm. you know being yeah. aware of the space and what's happening and because sound can be a really interesting experience in general mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I learned the hard way to really oh, be sure. mindful of what songs I was singing and like what songs were going on and starting to tune into that a little bit more. Yeah. Because it can kind of catch you off guard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and somehow, I mean, it, it took me 
many experiences to kind of really embrace the idea that this is real. Like somehow, yeah. even though I'm like, cause I am so like rational and kind of locked yeah. in that direction, oriented in that direction that so part of me is like, well, maybe like, is this real? I'm having this visual experience and so are other people, but maybe it's hallucination. I don't right. know. But eventually it begins to dawn on me that mm -hmm. there I'm tapping, that I'm tapping into something that is real. Like, yeah. you know, there is that kind of hallucination of the mind where you can, your mind can paint its own illusion but that's not the only thing that's happening. Like there exactly. is, there's something, if you can keep your mind focused, there is something real happening that it's not physical. It's not a part of our normal consciousness right. reality, but it's something that we can open to time yeah. and time again. Right. And it's a, it's a legitimate real thing that actually exists these yeah. spirits actually exist yeah. and it's kind of a trip to like, come to that well and that's what I, that's why i showed that story it's because i didn't understand that yeah you know and so i was calling things that i didn't understand totally i had that's i, I had a, a very <laughs> similar experience too because i got I was like so enamored by the whole thing, right. the ceremony, <laughs> and people are singing these powerful songs, and I yeah. wanted to learn them, mm -hmm. right? And I was learning songs and and singing them mm -hmm. in ceremony, yeah. and feeling, you know, it's first off, it's really actually hard to sing a song because it's in another language. You have to really know it so well uh, that you don't even think about it, yeah. And you have to to for the power of it to really come through you almost like draw out of yourself to where you're not singing it. Like I've had moments where oh, yeah. I almost fucked up because I was like, who's singing right now? I was singing, but I forgot. Like I, I was so, I dropped into the power of it and it was just happening. It's Cause like that, it's like the song is going to be sung and it's going to come through in that circle no matter what, like I had this moment of exactly what you're talking about, where I was seeing songs come into creation and seeing music come into creation. And it was like, there was this intelligence that was like, this song needs to be sung now. And whoever was open to receiving that song coming through, yeah. the song would go through them. Right. And it would just come through them. And they were like the portal sure. for the song, for that energy to come through. And like seeing that happen was wild. Yeah, but yeah. you you do have to be able to get totally. out of the way. Totally, and it's that's a certain, the hard part. I think it's a certain it's a difficult skill to do without doing. Yeah, um, and that but if if I find that if my mind is in the way or I'm worried about messing it up or I don't know the song well enough that um, I can't sing it without thinking, I can sing it and it might sound good, but it's not powerful. It doesn't have right. it, it, that. The, the, the power of the song doesn't come it. through. Yeah. <laughs> but I had an experience where I, I learned a song out of a book and I heard it uh, and off of a recording and I learned the words and it was a beautiful song. I love it. Um, it's pretty long too. It took me a while to learn. And I was singing the song, but finally I got to the point where I could sing it with power mm -hmm. and... Um, and that first time that I sung it with power, I actually called in the spirits from the song. And there's 
a lot of like trickster spirits in ayahuasca in the, yeah. the tradition and and um I mean, it's a whole it's a whole nother topic, but mm-hmm. the the type of spirits that come through that come with the ayahuasca tradition, like they're not all benevolent. Um, I mean, and you can call in all kinds of entities, but there are spirits that are they're helpful spirits. Mm-hmm. They have a helpful side, mm-hmm. but they also have a trickster side. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're calling in those kind of spirits, like you have to, it's kind of like calling in a pack of coyotes, like they're kind of mischievous yeah (laughs) and you gotta you gotta keep i don't know you gotta keep control of the situation with that yeah you you just have to be aware aware of what's going on what you're getting into and i remember when i actually when the song worked and i actually sung it with power and and called these things in i was just like and i met basically met them for the first time and i was just like oh like I didn't really realize, realize what this song is about. And then I was just like, I don't think I want to sing the song anymore. And I had taught it to, I had taught it to somebody else and I had to write that. And I was just like, told, uh, <laughs> maybe you don't want to sing like, the song anymore. Just be aware of the experience I just had. Just be aware of what, you know, what comes along with this song. Yeah. But there's sort of like an experimentation happening right now with ayahuasca, this ancient, ancient, culture and way of ayahuasca making its way into the west and um i mean we basically don't they don't they don't even know what it is like even the master shamans you know um they you know they consider themselves students that they don't call they don't call themselves masters they're like Mm -mm. you know old grandfathers that you know their father and their father's father and their father's father back and back and back have been in shamanic lineages and you know they they're humble in stating that they're still students you know students and that ayahuasca is the master mm-hmm. right but we can come in with our western mindset uh, the conqueror mindset like we want to understand this and we want to master this and I think we have a lot to to learn about how to go how to go about to go. it and there's just a lot of a lot of stumbling blocks that yeah. that we can hit upon which is part of the learning process. Well yeah, and it's a good point to bring up too that it's, you know, you and I aren't experts by any means, no. you know, like we're just, you know, tip of the iceberg, yeah. you know, experiences and just imagine what it would be like to spend a lifetime or more mm-hmm. diving into this medicine because it's it's you can talk it's about endless. your experience and you can put it in as many boxes as you want but it is just limitless mm-hmm. and unexplainable and magical and interesting and you know all of these things and it's a mystery it's a complete yeah. mystery and anybody that says they have it figured out is lying they have to go deeper. you know they have to go <laughs> deeper <laughs> that's a sign yeah. so it's you know we're all just jumping in and trying to learn what we can and using the tools that we have to uncover the nature of the universe and the nature of ourselves mm-hmm. and it's a journey and you know we're just learning and we're still trying to figure it all out absolutely yeah. Knowing that we probably won't, but we're going to try anyways. <laughs> sure. You know, I mean, this, 
it's a long path. I mean, yeah. I don't know what's at the end, if there is an end, but mm-hmm. um, it's better to walk it than to not walk it. Exactly. So, and it it's fun. It is an amazing path. It's fun. It's challenging, but it's it fun. It is. It is. Yeah. All of those things. Hmm. Well, that feels like a good place to wrap up. Anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I think we covered... Did we cover the totality of the experience? Pretty much. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. At least the main points of what what it is. I think so. Yeah. I think if I could give anybody advice going into their first ceremony, I think I would say to just relax, be clear with your intention, and go in and try to be in a state of surrender. Mm-hmm. And just be gentle with yourself and the medicine will be gentle with you too, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's natural for people to listen to things like this or to study about ayahuasca or to hear other people's experiences. You're going into something intense. You might have curiosity, but as much as possible, it's good to approach it without preconceived notions like Absolutely. like i was saying you know oh come meet my friend john i can tell you all about john yeah. but you know it's best to just go meet john it's best to just show up yeah just show up and uh and wait until an the moment approaches you the one thing i think that ma- one of the things that made my first experience was so powerful is that i really waited and until i felt called I didn't force myself into a ceremony. I just allowed it to unfold and happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I was trying to show up when, like, she wanted me there yeah. <laughs> at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a dance, and it's not always about, well, I've decided I want to drink medicine, so I'm going to drink it this Friday, and I'm, I'm going to drink go pursue it with it. these people, and I'm going to pursue it. Right. It's best to say, hmm, I think I might want to try this. I'm open to it and right. like see what shows up for you and show yeah. and you know and see what happens. It is one of those things that when it's the right time, it makes itself it abundantly makes itself, available to you. And, and it just happens. Sure. And just being okay with that flow and not being attached either way mm. is I think important too. Yeah. Oh, one thing I should mention too is that ayahuasca is technically well it's it's illegal it's a it's an illegal substance yeah, we didn't really touch on that did we <laughs> <laughs> Some, somehow i always forget about that part i know <laughs> and the circles are protect you know it's it's kind of you know people don't widely talk or advertise because there's there's a risk that there the practitioners risk. are taking by serving ayahuasca and it's good to respect privacy and the government isn't isn't like cracking down on ayahuasca they're not busting ayahuasca circles or anything like that but by the law it is a controlled substance and um good to be aware with the exception of certain you know certain churches or um religious factions have you know found protection under the law right uh so within a specific context it's legal within a specific specific churches but most things that we're going to run into on a regular basis are not that. Yeah, though. it's true. And my hope is that um, we, you know, we can at some point legalize ayahuasca and many other psychedelic, psychedelic plants. Um, and we're really in the middle of a psychedelic renaissance, I think. And, I and, and it's been a taboo subject for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it's been illegal for decades. And so it's yeah. been hard to study. Like for, for yeah. scientists who legitimately want to study it, they're risking their reputation. Uh, they have all kinds of bureaucracy to get through to actually study it. Yeah. But those barriers are coming down now. And there's more and more scientific studies that are starting to show the benefits. I mean, um, there was a study on psilocybin mushrooms out mm -hmm. of John Hopkins mm -hmm. that showed that... Um, psilocybin is a more effective treatment for depression than anything else we know of yep. far more effective mm -hmm. than antidepressants antidepressants are barely effective um oh barely and, and the side effects that you experience from them are far worse than terrible the symptoms of depression themselves i mean it yeah. can really mess up your brain the chemistry of your brain and your whole body really mm -hmm. it's just not yeah and if you can um, find an alternative Right. might be a better way to go yeah so you know we've we've shown already and this is just the tip of the iceberg of research but we've shown already that this not this natural fungus mm -hmm. psilocybin mushroom is the most effective treatment we know for depression so my hope is that you know we are going to more and more people are going to be open to having an experience yeah and pursuing an experience in a responsible way mm -hmm. and um, that science is going to continue to shed light on the value of it as well. And hopefully, you know, we can loosen the laws or remove the laws around, around some of these right. plants, which well, are start have to medicinal value. Real medicine into the healthcare system, right? Yeah. We Things need that. that, that heal the whole human and not just this one little microscopic aspect. Yeah. And that's who ayahuasca is. I mean, she's the ultimate healer on all levels yeah yeah wonderful <laughs> thanks so much for helping me oh and uh by the way this is episode one that we just recorded i didn't tell you that oh this is episode one this is episode one yes really? so i've recorded about 10 episodes so far okay yeah which has been really fun and they're going to be released in the coming weeks but i and I've been trying, I wanted to do that. I wanted to record about 10 before releasing any because I wanted to see how this podcast is developing. What are the conversations like? What is really the kind of tone and direction mm -hmm. of it unfolding beyond me? And I realized that, um, and I was looking for, I was like, which of these episodes <laughs> should I release first? And I realized, you know, I, I want to do, specifically, I want to do an episode one and kind of like lay out a foundation and uh, I thought of you specifically as somebody <laughs> <laughs> that I talk really well with and I've shared many experiences with. Yeah. So I wanted to come do episode one with you. Oh, so I'm very thank you honored. So much. Thank yeah. you very much for having me. Yeah. It's been fun. It's always fun. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Let me know what you think on Twitter. You can reach me at FinchCanFly. Also check out my Instagram and Facebook page at Chronicles of a Psychonaut. My guest next week is Sina Schellenberger, and we'll be talking about how she left her 9-to-5 job at Google to pursue an interest in plant medicine, first with cacao and ayahuasca. So stay tuned for that. And like I said, I've got about 10 episodes recorded, so I'll be releasing about one per week on Sundays. So tune in again. Thank you.